This is for the free thinkers, the curious beings that swim upstream, who see possibilities, not problems, that learn from the past, live by the present, and create the future. This is the I Love Ugly Audio Show. Welcome to the I Love Ugly Audio Show. I'm Valentin Nozic, the creative director and founder of I Love Ugly. For this episode, we decided to release a talk I did back in 2017 in front of a few thousand people at a design conference called Semi-Permanent. This is one of the first public speaking gigs I'd ever done, so I might sound a little rusty. This talk is honest, raw, unpolished and authentic. I dabble on my beginnings, a few tips about branding and marketing and what it means to go against the grain and making something of yourself. I hope you get something from it. Enjoy. as an artist, studied graphic design, quit everything to focus on music, then decided to start a menswear brand. His career also began just picking t-shirts uh, in a cold factory uh, eight years ago, visualising the start of I Love Ugly, then progressed on to sell in 86 countries all over the world. Would you please welcome Valentin Osic. Thanks for that introduction. I need to get whatever you're on because it seems to make you comfortable and be working. Um, yeah, before I start, can I just see a raise of hands who haven't heard of I Love Ugly? Cool, some fresh meat. Good. <laughs> cool. Well, firstly, I want to let you all know how honored I am to be speaking here in front of you. It does mean a lot to me. And to be honest, I'm still trying to work out why a semi-permanent actually asked me along. And hopefully you guys aren't going to be looking for a refund once I'm kind of done. Hopefully give you a bit of value. Um, it's one of those kind of cheesy jokes, you know, icebreakers. But, um, <laughs> Anyway, I've never, I've never actually spoken to this many people in real life. Um, I'm still trying to yeah, settle this little nervous twitch in my right leg, but get in there. But, but yeah, the biggest audience I've spoken to is probably around 50-odd people. But ironically, I speak to hundreds of thousands of people on a daily basis on the internet. Um, but for the record, this is a lot more nerve-wracking. And when I googled how to write a speech, it said that it's more likely that people are going to remember what they had for lunch than what you had to say. So as you, can, as you can imagine, after reading that, I felt a lot more enthusiastic about today. <clears throat> um, anyway, my name is, uh, is Valentin Ozic. I'm 31 years old. I'm the founder of Isle of Ugly. I grew up in West Auckland in a modest but entertaining household. I have five siblings. My parents were immigrants from Croatia. My dad a winemaker, mum a schoolteacher. The first 25 years of my life, I didn't know what the hell I was doing or where I was going. But I did know that I was passionate about and had some skills in art, clothing design, marketing, and a little bit of entrepreneurship. I'm now married, I've got three children, but I'm no smarter, talented, stronger, or gifted than any of you are. And uh, this is what's going on in my stomach right now. Yeah. Anyway, um, today I'm going to be honest. <clears throat> I'm going to speak from my heart, I'm going to be authentic, and I'm not going to bullshit you. If I say anything that offends anybody, I do apologize in, in advance, and please know that this is not my intention. My goal is for you to still remember the lessons of this talk in six months' time, and not what you had for lunch. <clears throat> I'm not here to talk about design or how I get inspired. I feel there's enough talent here to know how to do that. In fact, nowadays I only spend a fraction of my week actually doing that stuff. I actually find it a difficult topic to talk about, and I believe I actually wouldn't be giving you guys much value. Um, for today, I want to talk a little bit about my story, using it as an example that anything in life is possible. I want to teach you that naivety and the power of questions is a very powerful tool if you let it. I want to convince you about the importance of marketing and, per and, and that perseverance is key in anything you do. 
Hopefully by the end of my talk, I'll prove that 80% of success in life and your work is psychology and 20% is actually doing the work. So my first, my first point or my first topic today is naivety. Um, I completed high school but was the last young man. People called me sleepyhead because I was always tired. I guess that's what happens when you don't know what you're doing or where you're going. My mum encouraged me to go to design school because she believed that I had some talent. I went, but I hated it, but I'm thankful that she, she had the belief in me. I then started to do a bunch of illustration, crazy types of illustrations, that, you know, getting the stuff out of my head onto paper, and people seemed to like it, and I enjoyed doing it. I then began, here's some of those, I don't know if you guys have seen them or remember them, but I began making music with my best buddy and decided I wanted to be a rapper and a producer, but I soon realized I didn't have the right DNA structure to do that and that I was better at and enjoyed the marketing and branding side than actually making the music itself. From there I started wishing that I had certain clothes that were inspired by hip-hop culture, <clears throat> but a bit more of a tailored fit. So I naively started dabbling with clothing, but hustling hard to find pattern maker and just making stuff work and bring stuff to life. I needed a name obviously, and the three words which I like the look of were I Love Ugly. I decided it was a keeper because it was weird to have the word ugly and be in fashion and I thought it was pretty rebellious at the time too. I also liked how it was memorable and it made people curious. I decided to keep it and push hard to make the aesthetic super clean so when people did engage with the brand I was going to get them even more intrigued. When I first started and took the leap people actually laughed at me. People said they have the names wrong, that I'm a graphic designer and not a fashion designer, but I got no skills in business. I don't know anything about marketing, blah, 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 just all the, all the reasons why not. I even had an uncle who told me square in the face that I was doing my daughter no favors selling t-shirts and I should just be normal, get a job, get a mortgage, live happily ever after. <clears throat> I guess he did have a point considering that 85% of businesses all fail within the first 12 months of opening. And after all, it was 2008 where times were tough because of a global financial crisis. But for some reason, something was pulling me towards this path of the unknown, and I disregarded all the reasons how it could go wrong. After ending up with a degree in design that took four years of my life and cost me around $25,000, and only working in a warehouse at the time picking t-shirts, I realized that normal wasn't for me. At the time, my wife and I had around $20,000 of savings because we were living with her parents at the time, so we could manage to do that and decided to take the leap and naively open up a small multi-brand store on the top of Mount Eden Road called Broken Pocket. Here's a bit of a photo, pretty, pretty embarrassing when I look back on it, but got to start somewhere, right? Um, we actually ended, ended up living above the shop with our little daughter. Um, and the reason, the main reason which I opened up the store, because it's, it's important to always start with why, but the main reason was to strategically align I Love Ugly, which at the time was nobody knew about with some quite prestigious international brands to quickly get that exposure. It worked. I got to say that was one of the toughest years of my life, and when I think back now, I'm amazed how we pulled through, and I'm not surprised why people do quit when it does get tough. I got pretty badly depressed and went on antidepressants for around three months, which made me even more spaced out, and there came even points when the landlord was calling us that the rent was overdue, but I was just laughing because I just... I was completely just zonked. But um, after being dubbed up for three months, I threw out that medication and I realized there actually is a better way 
which led me on my journey of self-education through books, audio tapes, YouTube, and YouTube. I was starting to get used to the craziness of running a label and trying to operate a multi-brand store at the same time, but I soon realized that if I was going to succeed, focus was paramount. I decided to close down the multi-brand store and decided to focus on I Love Ugly full-time. It was the best decision I made. When I decided I really want to give fashion a crack, I started questioning the rules. Because I feel that the rules didn't work for how real people actually behaved and shopped. People didn't come to buy summer clothes in the middle of winter, so by the time summer came, they had been on the racks for so long that they had to go on sale. It just didn't make sense. Also, everyone was selling two collections per year, summer and winter, oh, summer and, winter and if you're really innovative, you'd throw in a high summer and an autumn collection. None of this made sense to, me, sense to me, so I decided to bend the rules. I asked the dumb questions that others usually don't ask because it sounds so simple and it seems so obvious. I released a small collection every two months, it worked, and then I began releasing a collection every month. That also worked. On top of that, the only way to sell your collections at the time was through bricks and mortar wholesalers. So by the time they came to sell your product, they took anywhere between 40 to 90 days to actually pay you. And being a bad economy at the time, you're looking at around 90 days to get paid in full. I remember one time I took a trip to Melbourne to get inspired. We had around $45,000 owing to us on the 20th of month, but it didn't come through. So I foolishly went on this trip thinking that the money was going to come through on the day it was due, and I was going to get, the, I was going to get it to fund the rest of the trip. <clears throat> my best, it obviously didn't, so my best bet was to call the wholesale account, and I was calling them at 5 o'clock in the morning, uh, begging that, that they actually pay so we can afford the hotel and dinner and just the rest of the trip. They ended up paying around a quarter of it in the balance a month or so later, and told me that just because an invoice is due on the 20th of the month, doesn't mean that they pay on the 20th of the month. <clears throat> that, was, yeah, that was news news to me, but yeah, so that point on, I decided that we weren't going to, we weren't going to be traditional and we weren't going to be reliant on wholesale anymore. <clears throat> we then began focusing on our online store and opening up our own retail stores so we could actually control the full customer experience and get paid immediately, which is super important when you're just starting. <clears throat> Those small, simple changes that bent the rules back then made this brand explode over the years to come and it's still the foundation of what continues to drive I Love Ugly today. I'm glad I listened to my gut, and I'm glad I had the faith in myself to take the leap. I still remember those nights where at 2 a.m. I'd still be working, but I'd be tingling with excitement and visualizing this brand going global. Also, wondering why nobody else was thinking this way. I was young at the time, but I did go for it. I was still wise enough to know that I should be careful of cautionary feedback from non-successful people. I just really want to drive, drive this point home because it's so, so true. Be careful of cautionary feedback from non-successful people. <clears throat> I believe naivety can work in your favor if you come into an industry where you're not familiar, and ex well, if you're not familiar with how exactly things are to be done. Otherwise, it deters you from doing things like how you think they should be done and it forces you to fit into a mold. It's amazing when you begin asking a question why you soon realize the reason people haven't done things a certain way is because they haven't, they haven't asked the simple but yet obvious questions. On a, simple, on, on a side note, something I've learned over, over the years is that you become an average of the people that you spend the majority of your time with. 
So one of the easiest things you guys can do to becoming a better version of yourself or creating a better work or being a better creative is spending more time with people that are much more successful or skilled than you are. As an example, if you're a tennis player and, you're, and you want to, improve your, you know, want to improve your skills and you're playing with someone that you always beat, you're not going to get good. So it's important to play with someone with more experience and uh, who beats you every time. Hopefully that kind of <laughs> makes that point. Um, if your excuses you don't know of or have access to these successful, successful people, well, fortunately, we do live in an era where you can make anybody your, your mentor. Everybody in this room's got a smartphone. Everybody has access to podcasts and YouTube and Kindle, Audible. If you can, search, you can now search and download thousands of books on any subject matter or person you want to find out about within minutes. That's a blessing. So in hindsight, my, my naivety was a blessing. I can't, stress, I can't stress how naivety can be such a powerful tool if you allow yourself and the curiosity inside of you to actually use it. I, na I naively started this business right in the middle of a global financial crisis. I didn't procrastinate analyzing the market and this and that. I figured today is better than tomorrow. And reflecting back, if I did have the skills and knowledge which I have today, I probably wouldn't have even started. And what I actually recently discovered is that 50% of the Fortune 500 companies were started in the middle of a recession, such as like Google and, oh sorry, uh, Disney and Apple. But what I've learned is that tough markets, they're actually the best markets, because in tough markets, there's much less competition. The market weeds out the shit, and also people overcome by fear, so you have a better opportunity to get ahead. Since I Love Ugly started, I've experienced some huge ups and huge downs, but I'm a true believer that it's the challenges and the setbacks that teach you the biggest lessons in life. And if you've got the mentality that every obstacle is an opportunity in disguise, you'll actually be unstoppable. <clears throat> Point two, marketing. One of my favorite quotes from Henry Ford, a man that stops marketing to save money is, a man, is like a man that stops his watch to save time. <clears throat> so true, don't do it. We did that. You know, when you, get, when you get bullied by, you know, the accountant or the CFO, that's the first thing they're going to cut, but you can't do it. It's something, marketing is something that I believe should be taught in every school and every, every creative degree. If you're not taught it, you need to learn as much as you can about it. The famous business guru, Peter Drucker, says that all businesses is innovation and marketing. If you get this right, it pays everybody on the payroll. And if you're an artist, you'll actually get known. You can be the best painter, or the best beat maker, or have the, have the best and most innovative clothing brand in the world, but if nobody knows about you, nobody cares about you. Too often it's said that your work will carry you through, if it's good enough. I don't find this to be true, or find that it will only get you, get you to a certain point. I know a lot of talented people, as probably do you, and all sorts of disciplines that haven't risen to the top, because they either don't know the importance of marketing, or they don't know how to market. You can have an average product or be an average musician and be the market leader if you've got the best marketing. McDonald's is an example of this. Kim Kardashian's an example of this. We all probably know and have good examples of this. I knew early on that I Love Ugly had to be more, much more than a clothing company. I had to rethink about the type of business which we are. Sure, you can figure out the supply chain, create great products, take nice photos, be uniquely positioned in the market, and offer a big point of difference. But I soon realized that in order to survive and defy the odds of failing, we had to become like and think like a marketing company. 
I believe this could be like an, this could be an hour talk in itself, but I have a few examples to show how marketing can be like steroids to your business or your personal brand if you allow to use it properly. Effective marketing should capture at least six, oh sorry, effective marketing should capture at least one of the six basic human emotions in order for it to be effective. These are anger, disgust, fear, happiness, sadness, or shock. Now, I'm not sure whether or not you guys have heard of a pant called the Zespi pant, but today we've sold over 50,000 plus pairs. How did we do this? We did this through entertainment. <clears throat> we knew that the product was unique, being low crotch, tapered around the ankles, great quality, ahead of the curve, blah, 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 but people actually don't give a shit about that stuff. We also received a great deal of emails and constructive criticism that we should make the crotch higher so people could actually walk in them. <laughs> I'm a great believer though that, and I'm, I'm a great believer that you need to make your mess your message and finding the best outcome in any situation. So we decided to use entertainment as a form of marketing. We made a video which cost a few hundred dollars, taking the piss out of the fact that people actually couldn't walk up, walk upstairs or just walk in them properly. We put the video on YouTube and Facebook for free, and the fans did the rest of the work. I was going to bring the video, but you guys can just YouTube it. <coughs> we created a whole culture around this, and created a piece of content that resonated with our existing audience, simply by acknowledging the flaw in our product and embracing it, rather than ignoring it. People loved it, people hated it, but most importantly, people were talking about it, sharing their stories and experiences. Sales went up, because people were talking. The, tipple, the tipping point came when Jay-Z got a pair, <clears throat> ASAP Rocky, Rocky got a bunch of pairs, Ben Rita Ora, Zayn Malik, and last but not least, Justin Bieber. <laughs> he actually got 15 pairs. <clears throat> Aspire to inspire before you expire. This is one of our core principles. It's to drive our customer to achieve their aspirations. In order to spread your brand and service, you, you need to stand for something that's actually bigger than the product you're selling. The product should simply be a way where people can actually transact with your ethos. When people engage with I Love Ugly, we want them to feel and behave in a certain way. We want people to come to us not just to dress good, but to feel good. We figured it's not a demographic that we are selling to, it's a psychographic. A psychographic is a common attitude, personality, and aspiration your customer has and shares. It's not about how old they are, what sex they are, or what city they live in. The most important bit of real estate is the corner of a customer's mind that you guys, that you want to occupy for any brand. As an example, when people think running, they think Nike. When they think simplicity, they think Apple. When they think inspiration, we want them to think I Love Ugly. We ran a campaign a few years ago titled Generations. Showcasing a bunch of younger kids talking about their dreams and a bunch of older gentlemen talking about their regrets. The point of this campaign was to encourage our psychographic to never give up on their dreams no matter what, what age they are. The campaign hit home for a lot of people, both young and old, surface, surfacing emotions of happiness, sadness, guilt and regret. Mission complete. These just a few images from the campaign. That's my son, Obi. Had to convince him of like a whole bag of lollies to do it, but he did it. <laughs> now, I'm not proud of this next one, 
but it is a good example. And again, I apologize in advance for anybody that we did offend at the time, and it took, I had to muster up a bit of courage to kind of resurface this. But uh, I've actually pixelated the image, so you can't even really tell what it is, but um, it's for my own safety as well. But we wanted to release a new product to the market, rings. First, how the hell do you market rings without being cliche and blending, blending in like every other jewelry brand has done? I didn't want this product line to trickle, I wanted it to explode from the get-go. I wanted to create a campaign that would go viral and get people talking. Once again, <clears throat> I went to my toolbox of the six basic human emotions and I picked out the emotion of shock and surprise. Now, I'm not sure who saw the campaign, but it took off. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I didn't think it through properly, and before I could change anything, it had already spiraled out of control. People said we were sexist and condoned a bunch of horrible things, which, by the way, I'm not. Um, after receiving countless emails and complaints from the Advertisement Standards, Standards Committee and having a campaign spread to the New York Daily, the Daily Mail, and every other news channel and radio channel in New Zealand and Australia, we pulled it. Web traffic, however, went through the roof. We were top of mind. The rings sold out in 24 hours, and we even sold a bunch of $1,500 gold rings. It created a mess, which took a while for us to bounce back from. <clears throat> but again, this is something I'm not proud of, but it is a good example of how powerful marketing to create an emotional response can be, rather than just marketing a product with some pretty imagery. We're now living in an era of authenticity and transparency. People can smell bullshit a mile away, <clears throat> so you may as well be real. The internet stripped away any privacy, so don't fight it, embrace it. The last few years we have really tried to embrace this and give back to our audiences. The great thing is, is if, is if you create something of value, people of all walks of life are going to embrace it. When people came across content that you put out in the world that's not trying to sell them something, it immediately draws them in. So don't behave like a 16 year old that's just discovered girls and try to transact on the first move because the market's going to slap you for it. No offense to any 16 year olds. But, yeah, last year we put out a small campaign called How to Make a Million Dollars Selling Clothes. If all else of the six human emotions fail, give honest, authentic value. To this day, I still get emails from people thanking us that we put this out. <clears throat> this is my last point, perseverance. <clears throat> this is one of my favorite topics and, you know, probably what a lot of speakers have spoken about this weekend, but it's actually so, so true. I think I could talk about this for a couple of hours. Nine months ago, I experienced one of those moments in your life where it just wakes you the hell up. I got a call that my wife and three kids had been in a serious car accident. Besides some head trauma, they were okay. A few days later, I got a call from my mum that my grandfather was dying. Four days later, he sadly passed away. A few weeks later, I got a letter from the bank demanding we pay over half a million dollars to them in seven days or by shutting us down by calling in the liquidators. Fuck. <laughs> we weren't trading the best at the time, and our bank wanted us, our bank wanted out of fashion after they had a, had a few massive corporate fashion retail businesses go into liquidation. My natural reaction was to freak, but when I took a bit of a breather, I realized that this is all part of the journey, and this, is one of, this was going to be one of those biggest, oh, but, sorry, I realized that this is all part of the journey, and this was going to be the biggest blessing and opportunity if I allowed it to be. These are those defining moments where it either makes you or absolutely destroys you. 
Despite the insanity of the situation, I decided I was going to fight it because I sure as hell wasn't going to run away from it. I realized that this whole time I had anticipated a huge challenge was going to be presented to me and knew I had to confront it. I knew my ego was getting too big and I, I was becoming too complacent in my ways. I knew that complacency and comfort, it kills creativity and it kills businesses. People have been, that have been successful before end up becoming too confident in themselves and avoid asking those tough questions that you asked in the beginning. I did feel, I fell victim to this. It's also super weird that when you begin to run out of money, you begin to get the most clarity. Why? Because that kid inside of you wakes up again and you begin asking more questions. You question your assumptions a lot more and you end up running a lot more experiments again. And for the record, I recommend you do this ahead of time and make it part of your company's culture rather than getting to a point like I got to. But when you run out of money or you when you run out of money or need to pay back a lot of money, you're forced to do this anyway. I also highly recommend if you're in business or have a company to be asking these important questions as well as possible. I'm oh, sorry, to be, to be asking these questions as often as possible. These are a few kind of dummy questions, but you know, how, how, can you, how can I put myself out of business? What's the biggest threats right now? What's the biggest opportunities? You know, is Amazon going to destroy me? They are coming to Australasia. If, if Facebook doesn't allow me to use their service anymore, what am I going to do? You actually need to be asking these types of questions all the time. Necessity is the mother of invention, so make it a necessity. Sometimes too much money is actually a curse. Less money forces you to think a lot harder. Avoiding to ask real questions, avoiding to ask real questions can kill you, so make sure you ask them on a regular basis. So back to my story. <clears throat> Let's have some water. How, how was I going to get out of this pickle with the bank? I mean, half a, half a million dollars is a, is a substantial number. I, re I remember walking back into the studio after visiting the bank, pretty much paralyzed and not knowing what to do. I was going to make out some flaky bullshit story to my team, but I decided to come clean about what was going on. And after all, that is one of our core values. I then told them that regardless of what happens, we're going to fight this and we're going to win this. Then I asked for their help. We made a plan and we got to work. <clears throat> With some hard work and some long hours and some honest marketing and a shitload of positive talk and strengthening of my psychology, we managed to push through. It wasn't pretty, but we did do it. We managed to negotiate a bit more time for bank and ended up paying back every cent in about 38 days. No thank yous from a bank. It was more of a get lost and good luck to you. That made me real pissed off, but I used it as fuel rather, rather than letting the anger use me. Last month, we just had one of the most successful months we've had in nearly two years. And I'm bloody proud of my team and what we've done. And, um, you know, apparently fashion's dead. <clears throat> but sometimes you get that second shot, sometimes you don't. Fortunately, we got that second shot. I believe there's no concrete formula to finding out what works and what doesn't. If you're an artist or a tech startup, your success pivots around the number of risks you take and how much content and experiments you're willing to put out into the market. It's your ability to adapt and reassess once you have tested your work or service to the market. You need to get used to the idea that if you are ambitious, you're going to encounter failure. That what you think will work may not work and what you think won't work may just end up working. In the end, the market does decide whether or not you are good enough. 
or what you're creating is needed in their lives. If you do get no response, I believe you're not pushing the boundaries hard enough, <clears throat> or what you're doing is simply average. Average is bad. You can't blend in. <clears throat> There's way, way too much noise out there and way too much choice. You've got to stand out. You've got to be the black dot on the white piece of paper. In fact, you've got to be the black dot with all sorts of colors around you so you can, be, so you can stand out and grab people's attention. The key is to push hard, get uncomfortable, draw outside the lines, break things, make a mess, make some noise, get up and see how far your determination and willingness to push your boundaries can take you. It's scary, but it ends up feeling damn good if you do keep persisting. Something will work. Fortune is always going to favor the brave. And the men and women that have done something remarkable in this world we live in today pushed the boundaries and limits and understood this important rule. Success and your achievements don't come from living in your comfort zone. They come from the burn, from the moments of doubt and feeling uncomfortable and stuck. No great idea or great piece of art accidentally turned up. Your job is to get unstuck and push forward no matter what. Too often, too many people quit without realizing that breakthrough was just around the corner. Too many people don't realize that dealing with temporary frustration of not making progress is an, is an integral part of the path towards excellence. Perseverance. You've got to write this word down, put it on your iPhone screensaver, take a photo now for Instagram, put it on the ceiling in your bedroom so you see it when you wake up and when you see it when you go to bed. It's got to become ingrained into your subconscious. It's absolutely essential. And something that every person that has spoken on the stage this weekend has had to deal with and understands the importance of. If the pursuit of excellence was easy, every single person would achieve it. Dealing with frustration is the primary reason why most people fail to achieve their goals. Achieving extraordinary is not a linear process. It's organized mess and it works differently for everybody. The secret is to show up, do the work, don't get swayed, don't spend 10 hours watching that Netflix show all your friends are talking about, and at the end of the week, you end up beating yourself up because you didn't work on your craft. It's simple. You can't let the small, inevitable distractions interfere. They're always gonna be there. You're trying to steal your attention. Don't be the sucker. Don't let anything sway you from your purpose. Once a decision is made to achieve your goals or become the person you want to become, simply refuse to budge, refuse to compromise. Write your goals so they're crystal clear. Tell your friends and your family about them. Make it said that you're going to achieve your goals and that you'll soon be known as that dude that's going to be the next Mark Zuckerberg or Kanye West or Jackson Pollock or whoever how you want to become. <clears throat> Understand that quality, long-term results require quality, long-term focus, shitloads of patience, and constant perseverance. Don't get emotional because you didn't win that award, or the client didn't accept your pitch or idea, or you got a C- minus for your assignment, and you only got 15 likes and no comments on your Instagram post, but you expected 50. It's just part of the game, it's part of the journey. In fact, if it happens to you, and you manage to keep your head in the game, Give yourself a pat on the back because this means that shit is actually beginning to happen for you. Beating yourself up over small bumps in the road is just weak. Learn to, learn to enjoy and appreciate the process because it does go quickly. This is especially important because you're going to spend far more time 
on the actual journey with those two brief moments of triumph at the end. Certainly celebrate the wins when they do occur, but most importantly, learn from the defeats when they do happen. In fact, if you're not, if you're not encountering defeat on a regular basis, you're actually not trying hard enough. I want to end my talk today with a very important reminder <clears throat> that whatever you're doing, make sure that you're fucking passionate about it. Because when it gets tough, which it will, passion is what's going to pull you through. It pulled me through, it probably pulled everybody that's been here today through. Always be curious, be like that kid, ask the dumb questions, <clears throat> and anticipate and know that feeling a little lost and off course from time to time is only normal for anybody that's pursuing their dreams. We evolve as human beings and creatives by those surprising and shocking events and solving problems. So you must embrace them rather than panic about them. At the end of the day, chaos is just the point of view. And if you learn to see the statue in the marble, you learn to adapt to any situation. Good luck. Thanks for listening to my talk. Lunch. I've seen a lot of semi-permanents, that is one of the best talks I've ever seen. Really? That's oh, fucking wow. magnificent. It was raw, and it was passionate, and it was smart, and it was vulnerable, and there's a lot of people um, through the questions thanked you for for bringing that vulnerability to the stage sure. because a lot of us know I, I remember when when that campaign was on i saw what you went through i remember when the media got stuck into you went oh fuck, all this stuff's on sale must be falling apart mm. and almost a kind of a fucking glee in it mm. it's a new zealand thing isn't it there's two things that strikes me that 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 are kind of different about that particular talk and one of them was that that utter passion to surround yourself with success and to put yourself next to next to those those top those premium brands. Yeah. We'll talk about that. And the other one is that knocking machine that we have that just seems to want to kick the mm -hmm. feet out from under you. Mm -hmm. You know. And yet here you are. Yep. <laughs> is your mum here? Uh, yeah, she's here. Let's give her a round of applause. Yeah. Is she? I see you, Mum, because here she, I, mean, I spoke about this morning, that person that empowered you, she said, go to design school, probably yeah. at a time when a lot of people were saying, well, you know, like your uncle, you know, you want to go and get a real job. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I just, you know, I just want to reiterate, like, I was, you know, I was lost and, um, you know, I had a little bit of skills and didn't know what to do and, you know, my mum said, go take this path and, Sometimes you just need to kind of hop on, you know, take the path and just kind of have as, as much faith in yourself as possible, knowing that that path's going to lead you to the path that you want to kind of end up on. So it's, um, yeah, and it's, you know, it's not, it's not pretty, but that's why I love ugly. And um, yeah, it's, no, I'm just kind of stoked to be here. I remember coming here like, I don't know, a decade or so ago and being in the crowd and being like, I don't know, people talking and something inside my mind was like, fuck, I just want to want to be up on that stage, you know? Because you're hungry. Yeah, I'm, fuck, I'm hungry, you know? Where does that come from? Um, I can tell, I'm scared you're going to devour me. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, where, where'd that come from? Was um, it just you? Is it, is it a family? I mean, yeah, obviously... Well, you know, yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're Croatian and yeah. I'm one of six, six kids and I'm a run for the litter, the litter and they're all six foot. I'm, I don't know, 
five foot something. And uh, so I had to kind of, you know, I had to, I couldn't kind of compete physically, so I had to kind of, you know, compete mentally. And I think when you do that and you kind of work hard on yourself, it just kind of develops this insatiable hunger. And, um, you know, I've got three little children as well. And then uh, <clears throat> I just want to be the dad that, that, you know, provides and leads a good example. And I know that, you know, if anything is going to, you know, we all expect, we all complain about kids and this and that, but it's the parents' fault, you know. You've got you to gotta be example at home, and then hopefully your kids will be example of their friends and on and will go. And same thing with my staff as well. I just try to be a good example and, you know, try to make people become the best versions of themselves. Must have been pretty tough going in that day and saying, hey, look, the bank's just sent me an email. Oh, definitely. I was all, like, you know, swallowed my tongue. I was actually paralysed, and I was just walking up a stage, and I was like, fuck, you know, trying to, trying to make up some bullshit story, and then just truth came out. Because it doesn't, doesn't work, eh? Hey, that bullshit doesn't work. Nah, people, especially, you know, in New Zealand, like New Zealand as well, like, people just sniff it out, and they'll sniff it out quickly, and then they'll kind of, you know, they'll chop you, so just be authentic, be real. Can't go wrong. Yeah, particularly if you want to bring people on that journey. You know? <coughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you still with the same bank? <laughs> uh, absolutely not. I'm actually looking forward to, you know, seeing those guys. I, you know, but the bank, the bank themselves are a business, you know? Yeah. And if their clients or whatever doesn't kind of meet their criteria, they've got to make changes, I understand. But, um, yeah, it definitely kind of pisses you off. But, yeah, thankfully we've got a new bank and are supportive and yeah, yeah we've been and that's important again that those people who have that vision and then and they're there they've got their money people go yeah, oh we're going to invest in that we're, yeah. what do our algorithms oh, say let's definitely. ask the bots well when this was happening so basically i was dealing with dealing with the pressing issue of the current bank plus i was trying to put together a pitch and try you know pitch ourselves and our story and remind people that you know remind the banks like hey this is this is this is this is my vision this is where we want to go so that took like a lot of effort in itself but eventually got there we got turned down by three other banks on the fourth one. We got it. Yes, yeah, best moment. That, I had in, in many time. ways, that, that, that seems to be that story that your ability to just go through these hurdles to keep falling and stumbling. And when you're falling, you know, you start running down a hill, you're gracing yourself, you're getting yeah, hurt, you're rolling and, and picking yourself back up again. And again, that, that sense, I wrote a, a little note down around that. Now, what I like is that, is that sort of dichotomy. There's a lot of people here, I'm, I, and I've met these people. I'm in the arts. It's all about the art. Mm -hmm. But actually, that business and that marketing, that's an art as well. Oh, definitely. And the so, yeah. so where did that come from? Um, I just, was it necessity? Yeah, necessity. I just developed a passion for it. And I was like, okay, I'm naturally a creative. You know, I'm an illustrator, graphic designer, yeah, graphic designer. Yeah. Oh, thanks. And then, um, and then, I, but then I was like, okay, cool. Well, you know, what, what goes on in my head, I can apply that to business and apply that to marketing. And you just get into this kind of, you get into this, this groove and this, this space where everything starts to kind of unfold and you see it and you just kind of make it happen. And uh, yeah, that's what we're doing for our business and doing for marketing. And um, yeah, but the most important thing is just trying to get yourself in this state because what I mentioned earlier before, like 80% of it is actually in your mind and kind of, you know, in the morning when you don't feel like doing it or you know, actually going to work and, you know, doing this thing, because there's days where you just don't want to do it, but you actually have to push yourself to actually get out of bed and chuck your shoes on yeah. and go to the office, and that's, that's 80% of it. The 20% of it's actually doing the physical yeah. work. Like those days where, you know, you had to retrench, you had to, you know, close some of those stores. Mm -hmm. That must have been not only painful, embarrassing. Yeah, definitely. It was embarrassing. Like, we, we opened this beautiful store in Los Angeles, spent way too much money, met, you know, around half a million dollars on it. Um, you know, everything worked. The thing is, we, we, opened, we opened the store, we did $17,000 US on the first day. We had a queue around the corner, we had people coming in, they were signing the stuff. 
their stuff worked, but it was all the other stuff, the, the, you know, the non-pretty stuff, which we didn't really focus on, and that's kind of what, you know, that was the little thing that kind of, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Because for a lot of people, it is, it is that sense of, of kind of shame, where, where, where they fall down, and they take it all, and go, well, this, I can't, can't go outside, people are going to know, you know, what, what are those little things that you use to come back from that? Um, I just, I just, just accept. From West Auckland. <laughs> yeah, I just accepted it, you know, like, you just, yeah, it's going to happen, and, you know, when you, when you do listen to those audiobooks and watch those, watch those guys on YouTube, they all go for it, and the thing is, is like, if you're actually, that's what I was saying in my talk, if you're going for it and experiencing it, and you continue, then, you know, it's, it's eventually something's going to click, something's going to happen. Also, I went, uh, you know, I'm not a big Justin Bieber fan, but there's a lot of Justin Bieber fans out there. That's why there's Justin Bieber. And suddenly, you know, he's wearing your pants. Yeah, yeah. Well, how many pairs? Uh, he brought 15 pairs. 15? That's a guy that says laundry can't be fucked. I'm sure. <laughs> well, like, clean pair. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, to be honest, like, I much prefer that guy that's, you know, up and coming and uh, nobody knows about him, and we support him. Because everybody's going to support Justin Bieber, you know? That's right. We yeah, want to support that guy. Anything, which yeah, is the irony. Definitely. All that cash. Definitely. We yeah. want to support the guy that's in Brooklyn. He's hungry. He's 18 years old. You know, he's trying to put something together. And, uh, you know, we try to put a package together, showcase him to our audience, and, you know, try to give him some exposure. That's the guy that kind of, that's, I'm attracted to that <coughs> type of person. If it into any of you sort of your old teachers, was that, sorry? Even bumping your, your, your old teachers? Yeah, yeah. So what are you doing now? Oh, I'm in the t-shirt business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's this one teacher, because when I left school, I was going to be a screen printer. And, um, and then she basically rang, right. yeah. she rang my mum and begged her not to do it, not to allow me to do it. And then, um, yeah, I, I'm still thankful to this day. I actually had lunch with her a few years ago and thanked her. Yeah. Yeah. Because we don't often do that, do we? We, we? we leave it too late. We leave it to someone's funeral to go back and say, oh. hey, that thing that you did for me, that changed my life. Oh, exactly. Exactly. You've got you to, gotta, you know, try, sounds corny, but experience gratitude as often as possible. Eh? Cause, yeah. Yeah, that, sh that can, like that week I had, you know, at the bank, my grandfather, you know, could have been a second earlier and could have lost, you know, my whole family. Like, you know, that stuff happens, you know. P perspective, eh? Yeah, definitely. 100%. What's a typical day like now for you? Um, what do you do? Yeah, it's pretty pretty full on because you know just just being frank, we're still in the rebuild phase, um, which is actually fantastic because you know <laughs> I like that saying when the tide goes out, you get to see who gets called for pants down. And the thing is, is when the, the the economy kind of dried up and a whole bunch of brands and businesses got called with their pants down, and uh, we did as well. And now we're trying to like put those pants back up and rebuild. And I think uh, yeah, now we're just um, you know we got a real small team, some of them here. And um, the day is like, okay, cool, let's just focus on the basics and go back to our core and do the basic right again. And then, um, and then yeah, I've got, I've got little children as well and try to be like, yeah, yeah. try to, try yeah, to be present, present for them because yeah. they're the ultimate, you know. Because that is true, you know, because yeah. a lot of us can get lost in that time, but that, to, to spend that quality time with them. And to use another kind of um, sea-based metaphor, also, if you, if you are caught in that ripper, you're being swept out mm -hmm. um, and things are going downhill. It's also then a very good time to see who swims out and gives you a yeah. life. Oh, 100%. Like that's when you know true friends come out and yeah you, know, you see who likes you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Where to from here? What's what's happening? What's going, um, going on? Yeah, like you know, I always. You're you still know, doing how much design do you do? I mean, that's, uh, that's... I'm actually full fully doing the products now, which is actually super fun. Like it's actually it's a real luxury. 
Um, yeah, the, my first collection last month, we had our best, best most successful uh, month for nearly two years. And um, I think because I was just, you know, just wasn't trying to do this or that or follow this trend, just, you know, just going back, just do simple everyday premium basics with a little bit of a twist and just do that. And then make sure we do it right, present it beautifully, have a strong concept, strong story. Um, you know, and some great marketing and, you know, just, yeah. Because that's, that's the key, isn't it? I mean, there's a, few, there's a lot of t-shirts out there. I went into a t-shirt store the other day. There was a, quite a nice black t-shirt. It was okay. I thought, and I took it off the rack and I looked at the price tag and it was $239. And I went, <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> You know, so, yeah, but so, so people want that story. They want to buy. They want definitely. a sense of being a part of something. Definitely. Well, the, the way I look at it is, you're gonna have you're gonna have five black t-shirts on the rack. What's gonna make people pick up an I Love Ugly one from everybody else's? It's not gonna be yeah, maybe price will kind of factor in, but it's the way that you know the brand makes them feel. It's the stuff they do outside of just the product. You know, the marketing, the message, the videos. Um, you know, that's the stuff that's going to make people pick up your t-shirt, black t-shirt over the others. Because yeah. the thing is, is like that 200 plus t-shirt that you brought, they've done a good job of, you know, actually you know, convincing you and kind of like, you know, getting, um, you know, having like an emo emotional connection with you. You may have done it, you may have pulled the yeah. trigger. Because there's still a huge market for $250, you know, blank t-shirts out there. Where? <laughs> Who? Who? Oh, yeah, somewhere. It is amazing because, and, and you know, it is those things that do, that do that do certainly draw you in. Um, anything else you want to say? Um, I know there's some other questions. Uh, yeah, if there's any other questions. Oh, and it's, just, it's, it's a little bit hard to scroll them down. Um, here you go. Uh, and I said, um, you're such an inspiration. What advice do you have for young designers that are just starting starting out? Where should we start? And in a way, I think you've probably said that. Yeah, you? yeah. Just, just, just start. We... Yeah, when we start. Us, we've done shitloads of videos and content out there. Honestly, it's just starting. Like, I just started. Everyone yeah. here started. You started. It's got to start. Steal a laminated TVNZ visitor's pass and then practice <laughs> yeah. a bit of screen printing. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. What's happening uh, tomorrow? What are you going to do? Tomorrow? Day off? Are you getting some... Yeah, some yeah. I'm actually, look, I'm actually glad this is over because it's been like probably, yeah, a lot of time. Thinking about it and, and it's printed, eh? That's that's that speech. It's yeah, yeah, it's printed. Yeah, 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 I wrote it. I wrote you're it. Gonna, you're gonna disseminate that because I tell you what, there are some some fucking great pieces of it. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, yeah. I want to hopefully convince Simi Permanent to give me a video and put it out there to the world because that's going to be the best marketing for them. You know? Yeah. It's all about content and the thumb. It is about <laughs> content, but you know, content's like a buffet. Yeah. There's a lot of fucking content out there. Yeah, like yeah, content, yeah. content like we saw today that was raw and honest and vulnerable and powerful yeah. and smart. Yeah. You know, yeah. that is gonna that is gonna sell. It's gonna, oh, it's yeah. gonna buy. Awesome. And I think there's probably a lot of people out here who were skeptical of you. You thought yeah. that guy, I saw that campaign or whatever <laughs> I saw I saw those stores, I saw the media around yeah, that. Yeah. And I reckon you've changed their minds. Oh cool. Um yeah, I hope so. And yeah. like, yeah, hopefully I didn't offend anyone. I just want to speak from the heart, be me. Hey, yeah. Oh you spoke from the heart and you spoke and you spoke from the brain as well. Awesome. Some of the most sensible business advice I've seen in a in a very long time. Oh, I and appreciate that. coming from someone who says, you know, because it still is about the art, hey? Yeah. Is oh, it about the art? Honestly, it's about the art. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, if you lose that you got nothing. So um yeah, the other stuff's important, but yeah, that's fundamental. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. Hey, thank you very much. Thank you everybody for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and found any type of value, please subscribe to our podcast, share with your friends, and give us a five-star review on iTunes to be in the draw to win a $200 I Love Ugly gift voucher. We will be drawing a winner weekly. Good luck and see you on the next episode.